Captain's Log, Stardate 74868.2. The Admiral of the 31st Fleet has sent a Priority One message concerning historical documents. I await my command staff on what will certainly be a serious discussion. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to never giving up and never surrendering. Oh man, oh man, oh man. Hey everyone, welcome back to another voyage, another adventure here in the cosmos of podcast land. I am joined by some... Thermians and a dude I don't know where he stands but anyways I guess he's a Thermian or whatever uh, I'm talking about um, Lieutenant Commander Eric of course and someone that we haven't heard from in just a minute my dear friend Lieutenant Commander David what's up y'all welcome back David welcome back Eric wait was I the Thermian or was David the Thermian I'm gonna leave that up to y'all y'all can get you know, in like a little arena rock battle and fight to the death over it for all I care. Sure, okay. So who wants to be the fight, squid? But I'm a pacifist. So you're the squid. Got it. Oh, that is not right. <laughs> oh, lordy. So I've been talking to Eric lately, so I'm going to defer to David on this one first. Like, what's been going on in your world, man? It's been a minute since you and I kind of had a any kind of geeky conversation together. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it has been. Um, time stretches on forever and ever, unchanging. Um, no, I mean it's it's been it's been nice to see spring again and uh, I'm kind of trying to prepare for backpacking trips and and so forth uh getting outside obviously last year or at least in ohio a lot of the um trails were closed at certain points and so mm -hmm. forth so wasn't a lot going on in that regard but uh yeah as soon as the weather starts to turn again i pretty much like to hit trails as much as humanly possible and uh so kind of gearing up for that should have one of those at least a short trip in the next two weeks with my brother um, but yeah, aside from that, you know, trying to keep up with people as best as humanly possible, dropping podcasts, YouTube junk, working, <laughs> you know, just, mm -hmm. just the everyday life, man. There's, there's not a, not a crazy ton going, going on and just sort of hoping for some general world sanity someday. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. You know, with you being in the, the Midwest, more Northern version of the Midwest, um, are are you in the clear when it comes to snow, or or is there still a random chance of snow here in the next couple of weeks or so? No, we've we've been pretty clear of that. We did have a um, I don't want to say harsher, but definitely more winter this year than we than we have. So there was a lot of a lot of snow, and my poor old neighbor, he's just 
he's old and he had a bypass surgery so I've been shoveling his or I was shoveling his yard so I'm good I'm glad to see the snow go but no we're, I think we're pretty much out of the danger area right now it's just rain we've been getting a lot of rain things are getting green see all the little animals out there little rabbits and ducks and everything nature that's, that's it's good. the thing it's good good stuff nature's the thing that's on the outside that's true that's what I've been told at least I don't know by the way people in listener land can't see this but maybe in viewer land they can you're rocking a very smart looking t-shirt my man yeah yeah look at that <laughs> take take two <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know, this isn't the first time it's happened. I, I think I ordered a, I ordered another shirt here recently from, uh, I don't even know if it was from the same site, but there's been some weird prints because the first one of these I got, it was just, just slightly off center, just slightly. But, mm -hmm. you know, I noticed that kind of stuff. Most people probably wouldn't have, but yeah, very nice shirts. Um, they, they use... I think these are the old level. Yep, by the tag, those are the level ones, and the level ones are one of the best base shirts that you can use. I actually buy them directly from a wholesaler just as shirts because they're great. Okay. But yes, very nice shirts. You did a good yep. job of designing a couple of these. Uh, well, this wasn't the crew one. This was just sort of the general podcast with the established date on it. Right, the start date. Also, the start date one's what it's called, yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably also get the get the crew shirt too. That one's cool. I like that one. Yeah, I, want, that's yeah, I I noticed both of you wearing those shirts, and I was like, somebody didn't like give me the memo. <laughs> like, pick up your communicators, open them up, like, send me a little message. Like, I'll get it. Well, go go. But I see how it is. I see how. It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. No, they are nice looking shirts. They're definitely nice looking shirts, and I'm not just saying that because you're my friend and I'm on the podcast. I genuinely, I do like the look of them. Well, I'm glad you do. Yeah, David, David's rocking the uh, the Stardate one. I'm wearing the, um, I think I called it like the Delta design. Basically, it's the it's the the logo basically that you see on all the cover art. Um, just in like a little oval, um, was that like right hand chest or whatever placement, something like that. It's backwards for me. Anyway, left hand side, right hand side. It's a side. Just check it out. But yeah, there, there. Um, you can go to the website trtvpod.com and check out the merch section and uh, get a link and buy a shirt for two or three or seventy, whatever floats your boat. You get one in every color and every design. Great. If you're feeling like a high roller, you get 70. I mean, you get one for every week and then some. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, Eric, we'll do a better job of making sure that you get um, the memo, that you get the communique. You know, next time, you know, in case we do something, you know, like putting cover sheets on all our TPS reports, we'll make sure that you know, um, including, you know, what color we're wearing. Just like, you know. SG-1 did with knowing which color of um, BDUs to wear. Or utilities. How do you know or... which ones to wear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> it's a group text. <laughs> we call each other in the morning. That was before group texting, I think. We call each other in the morning. Yeah, I don't think group texting existed during the 90s. Mm. Was that still the 90s? When did, was Jonas, was that like still 90s or was that early 2000s? 
Well, Jonas was in season six, and I think the show started in '97. So like, ni- so two, it's probably the early '90s. 2002, 2003. Or late, late, early 2000s, yeah. right? Yeah. Man, oh man. Yeah. Well, speaking of the late '90s, guys, we are going to be talking about a little show, little movie of sorts from the late '90s, um, starring someone from '90s television. You know, good old Tim Allen. And uh, we'll be talking about Galaxy Quest today. Um, I had originally approached y'all um, at one point, saying like, I wanted like really tackle some some Star Trek parody type stuff. Um, and, and I think like maybe somewhere in the parody kind of category, you can also maybe count like fan films um, to a certain extent, uh, fan projects to a certain extent, like Star Trek continues. Um, um, Prelude to Axanar, those are some fantastic uh, fan productions that I think people want more of it, um, in some cases more so than um, some of the stuff that we're seeing on Paramount Plus for whatever reason. And that's a conversation for a different day. But Galaxy Quest, this show, this I keep saying show, this movie uh, got the attention of the stars of, of 90s Trek um, at the time. Like I remember reading something about Patrick Stewart calling up his co-stars, um, asking them if they had seen this movie and how much they had talked about it. So, but before we really, you know, take a dive into it, you know, what was y'all's experience with this movie? Whether you originally saw it when it came out in um, 1999 or you saw it years later? Yeah, I honestly can't remember. I feel like Honestly, I feel like I probably saw it on television. Okay. So like a, probably much later. I don't know sure. how long it takes to put things on television. I don't even know if they really think about that anymore. I haven't had cable in years, so I can't really tell. <laughs> but uh, yeah, probably like a TNT presentation. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like one of those things that me and my dad probably sat down and like we would watch just... And, I, and I'm saying crappy movies. I'm not saying this is a crappy movie, but sometimes you get those and, you know, just flipping the channels and wind up surfing it a bit. So that would have probably been the first time for me. Okay. Okay. How about you, Eric? Honestly, I, I was a big fan of Tim Allen back in the 90s. Um, you know, Home Improvement was one of my favorite shows, like, ever back in the day. It, you know, it didn't hurt that it took place in Michigan, right, where I lived at the time and it was it was funny it was like one of the few shows that didn't take place in new york or la or something and it, it was i loved tim allen it was tim the tool man taylor and it was so great and then obviously you know he was buzz lightyear in toy story which i also loved and then i loved the santa claus as well mm-hmm. right yeah mm-hmm. like the santa claus was i still i'll i'll still watch that every christmas the santa claus just the first one though no, that, that's a classic the first one's yeah. a classic for sure yeah Oh yeah, yeah. And then I remember I'm I'm fairly certain that we rented this from Blockbuster, right? Like when it came out on VHS. Okay. And honestly, I don't think I liked it when it came out. I really didn't, because I was such a big fan of Star Trek, and I didn't get the idea. Of, I didn't understand parody or satire yet. So I was like, how dare you make fun of this thing that I love and I hated it and I refused to watch it for such a long time after that because I just I didn't realize that 
they were making fun of it out of like love and affection for it right right i just thought Absolutely. they were making fun of it out of like hatred and so now that i get the joke because i'm older right because i was only in 99 i was only 12 i was 12 or 13 years old when i saw this so i just didn't get it at the time and so mm-hmm. it was probably 15 years before i tried to watch it again because like that just thought in my mind of how much i hated it back in the day just like wouldn't go away okay okay so david had a little tnt tbs kind of special presentation experience eric watched it originally maybe because of home improvement and some disney stuff and then hated it and wrote it off for a little while and came back to it awesome (laughs) for me like i don't remember seeing it in 99 uh when it came out uh i mean i think the thing that maybe got me to watch it was i think some reference to it in what was that it was either trekkies or trekkies 2 like one of those documentaries i think it had touched on it and uh and i might be getting my my timeline mixed up but it had something to do with trekkies like that got me you know to notice galaxy quest and uh and I watched it, and I'm like, this is some weird stuff. Like, people turning into squids. Like, what is going on? And I was just, I was having such a hard time. But I'm like, it's Tim Allen. I mean, it's Tim Allen. I mean, how can you not like something that Tim Allen makes? Uh, and I guess there's a few things. But anyway, there, there are people out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure that there, there are a couple, couple a of people that might not... <laughs> I not care for a few newer things, but just all depends. I, I, I uh, what is his? Actually, I don't even know if it was Last Man Standing. I don't. Is that still on? They are in their final season. The series finale is, uh, the month of May. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I never got yeah, into but, that show. But, but didn't Last Man it, Standing it get canceled like twice? Last yeah. Man Standing got canceled yeah, once. By when it was originally on ABC, right? And then uh, fans were like, what the heck, man? And Fox ultimately bought them and let them continue on, like with the same budget, basically. And so I think it came back in season, I think, seven. I think season seven is when it came back, and they're going to end with nine seasons. Um, and depending on wow. when you're... Depending on when you're listening to this, it's already happened. Uh, but I know it's the cancellation is uh, sometime in May of 2021, or the series finale is in 2021. So there you go. But yeah, yeah, it's it got revived and now here it is. It's going away. Which I don't know. Have have y'all watched Last Man Standing? No. No, I, I never. Watched I saw it. like maybe a handful of episodes in season one. Okay, but you didn't go beyond season one then? No. no. Okay. Man, well, now I can't talk about it. There's, there, they did, like, a, a little cast shake-up, um, and they just, like, recast, like, one of the daughters and, like, some other... Th- like, actually, the and the daughter's boyfriend, now that I think about it. And um, I like the original actress that played the daughter, that particular daughter. And they, they ended up recasting another daughter whenever they they move from ABC to Fox because 
they had uh, uh, what was it? Everyone had just like moved on. Like they thought the show w- was done and over with, so they went and got other roles elsewhere. And hmm. a lot of the fan base for Last Man Standing has been uh, very brokenhearted. That um, I think the actress's name is um, Molly Ephraim, Ephraim or something like that, and she played uh, Mandy, who was like very much the girly girl of the trio of daughters. And um, was she the one with the son? No, that was the oldest daughter. Okay. No. No. Um, Molly played the daughter Mandy. Um. Anyway, she was kind of like. She started out kind of like a ditz, maybe is one way of putting it, but then she like really evolved more and she had like a really good business sense like with her, you know, dressmaking, cloth making business that she she ended up starting out. So it was cool. Like I liked her her character development on the show. It was good. I miss her. I miss Molly's portrayal of Mandy. Anyway, not here to talk about Last Man Standing, but I enjoy the show. Um I have enjoyed the show. I mean, it's it's waxed and waned like any show has, but um, for the most part, I've I thought it's been pretty darn good. Uh, it's no, it's I still Home Improvement though is still greater than Last Man Standing as far as I'm concerned. So, Home Improvement is a classic. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I have I have the whole series on on DVD, um, out in my living room. I mean, I've I watched that more than I care to admit how many times I've watched that. That's funny. I made a home improvement joke um, for uh, graduation that, that just recently happened for my school. Um, there's also something called like the awards brunch where we hand each each um, not division or department, but each like different groups hand out different awards. So, like nursing hands out an award, arts and sciences, career and technical. And so I'm on one of the committees that hands out the award for arts and sciences and we gave the award to one of my students, so I had to go to the to this brunch and present the award. And um, <clears throat> uh, so, originally they weren't going to have brunch at the brunch, right? Because you know, still a whole pandemic, and you can't you can't do things like that. So they were calling it like a no brunch brunch. And I was like, oh, that's like the dinner that that Jill organized in Home Improvement, the no dinner dinner that she kept trying to get people to go to. And then there was one, like, I think it was Jeff Gordon who, who came on Tool Time and was like, yeah, Jill convinced me to go to this no dinner dinner. He's like, I hope there's chicken. And she was, like, getting frustrated that nobody understood what the no dinner dinner was. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Surely there has just to like in Home Improvement, this no brunch brunch. And see, now that we're talking, like, okay, so this is like, I guess, bringing it all together. But, you know, um, there's an episode of Home Improvement where, among other things, Brad and Randy are picking on Mark and and saying that, like, everyone's an alien, that, like, those that's not really your, your parents. We're not really your brothers. Um, um, I'm Zeltar, or Zelnar, or something like that, and I'm whatever. And... Anyways, Tim and Jill get in on it and they play like they set up like the basement and play some Inagata de Vida and like scare the crap out of them and see like aliens, 
sci-fi, freaking people out, high stakes. It all comes together. It was it was the the backdoor pilot for Galaxy Quest years early. There we go. <laughs> I'm reaching y'all. I'm reaching you and your conspiracy <laughs> theories and crazy connections. Do I want to go there for a second? I do. <laughs> so recently, the Stranger Things season four, uh, one of the teaser trailers came out, and I was like, "There are so many threes, fives, and sixes. Like, this has to mean something. Like, what are they getting at?" And I was like, part of a chat, and I was just like pointing out like every iteration of a three, a five, and a six in the trailer. And um, I was like, "Yeah, I'm wearing my tinfoil hat, y'all. I'm wearing my tinfoil hat." So. Okay, so we've we've kind of talked <laughs> we've talked about um, all sorts of things, mainly home improvement. Uh, so 1999, we were wee lads in 1999, and uh, this was directed by uh, Dean uh, Parasot, I believe is his name. And I don't know, Eric, are you familiar with with any of his work by chance? No, I am not. The only thing that I even recognize on his list of things is Home Fries. I mean, I recognize that that movie, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Home Fries, written by Vince Gilligan. Interesting. I just noticed that uh, he he's worked with Tony Shalhoub on Monk in, um, between 2002 and 2009. And um, also directed Bill and Ted Face the Music, the most recent Bill and Ted movie that came out for any of the Bill and Ted fans out there. I don't know. Did either of you actually watch that? Bill and Ted Face the Music? No. Yeah. Did you? I haven't seen any Bill and Ted. (laughs) I've seen the first one for sure. I can't remember if I've seen the second Bill and Ted, but I know I haven't seen face the music strange things are afoot y'all strange things are afoot what a se- yeah what a series to bring back of all things <laughs> another bill and ted's adventure mhm ah, yeah 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 too many things are bringing back too many things do something new well okay so you don't want you don't want to talk about this since it's old no, just just don't. We don't. Need, I don't need the Galaxy Quest revival. Is what I'm saying. Oh, but wait. Hold on. We're gonna make. We're gonna. Su- we're gonna subvert expectations. We're gonna make it dark and gritty, and stuff. I'm actually somewhat surprised that they didn't do any sort of revival of this like before now, or at least something what? more. Well, I mean, Alan Rickman died, right, like five years ago. Right, I mean, yeah, but even before that, you know, preferably. Oh, okay. I I personally, there are a lot of things that when when you, and I I can't necessarily think of anything right off the top of my head, but I know that we've all seen stuff where they've either recast or tried to explain away a certain character who died in real life. I don't know, sometimes I just would rather not 
Mm-hmm. Actually, one of them that I can think about is, is Harry Potter. I don't think we should have made any more Harry Potter after Richard Harris died. So uh, just screw that, that particular film series. No, I'm kidding. But I did like Richard Harris's portrayal in that more than the second guy that I can't remember his name. Yeah. Which Michael Gambon. Not right. Michael, Ga- just, can, Michael Gambon is a knight. Michael Gambon is a knight. How can you not like appreciate his performance? Just wasn't wasn't I'm, for me. I'm with David on Hot this takes. one. I'm with David on this one. I prefer uh, Richard Harris more than Michael Gambon, but uh, I mean Michael grew on me some, you know. But you know, you get to Prisoner of Azkaban, which is coincidentally also my favorite Harry Potter book, and I was just like, oh, we're at my favorite book, and they've already they've changed Dumbledore by necessity, of course. Uh, and like, and I, and I just didn't end up liking the Prisoner of Azkaban movie, so like it was just a giant cluster for me with my experience with Prisoner, and that kind of went into the rest of them, especially like knowing that this is supposed to be taking place in the '80s and '90s, and it still it had very much like the early 2000s look to it, which I think I don't know if they realized that it was supposed to be taking place in the '90s. I'm just saying. Okay, so we're ta- we're about, talking about, about every yeah about Galaxy Quest. We're talking about everything everything but, but Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. Quest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, let's let's talk about this. There's there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, when I was when I was preparing for this show uh, with with Galaxy Quest, and if y'all haven't figured it out by now, we are going to be talking about the 1999 movie Galaxy Quest as a Star Trek parody for the show. And uh, parodies, uh, satire, it's its kind of like a, a left-handed compliment, maybe, is one way of putting it for you know the source material. I mean, we look at Weird Al Yankovic and all the music that he puts out, um, which in a way honors you know the original creation because he likes the music, for one. And um, it's easy to, to put a twist on. And again, in, pre- in preparing for this particular show, I was reading a few things about how um, the one of the it was the writer of this was talking about how he wanted to create something as an homage to the Star Trek shows and the movies that he loved, um, and he wanted to really play with some of the the tropes he wanted to play with just some of like the quirky things that you see through the movies and stuff um, and I'm, I, I made a couple notes along the way um, but so so let's get started um, with with this particular movie you know we see uh, Tim Allen uh, Sigourney Weaver Alan Rickman Tony Shalhoub um, who else am I forgetting? Uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yep. And um, I freak. Justin Long. Justin Long. Yeah, an early appearance by Justin Long. And um, Rain Wilson is in this very briefly. Rain Wilson for, of The Office mm-hmm. fame is is in it. And and Veronica Mars' dad is the main Thermian. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Veronica Mars. Oh, well, that's who it is. So it's this this. It starts out, you know, we're, we're just talking like it's it's essentially like some quote unquote washed up actors that are just 
going through the convention scene, trying to cling to their youth, so to speak. And out of, out of the clear blue sky, some aliens mistake them for the real, the genuine article and come save us. You are our last hope type of thing. And then shenanigans essentially ensue. And that is the 30-second plot synopsis of this movie. <laughs> so um, let's... Where do y'all want to start in terms of, like, uh, talking about this movie? Like, in terms of, like, themes, in terms of, like, parallels or something else that stands out to y'all? I, I mean, the, honestly, the thing that I thought about when, when re-watching it was, um, you know how a lot of people like to talk about being dropped into, you know, these fantasy scenarios? You know, oh man, I wish I were in the Game of Thrones world or, you know, something like that. So if that actually happened, how well would you really do? <laughs> like if you were abducted by space aliens who thought you were, you know, like a real Earth s hero, uh, how would you actually react? Mm -hmm. uh, granted, they have some crutches here uh, because of sort of the other thing that I think was kind of funny about the the controls all being set up for like their little acting motions and tippy taps mm -hmm. and little things that they would do on the show mannerisms. Um, but yeah, how, how well do you think you would do if you were actually uh, just dropped in here? I mean, the first thing Tim Allen does is, uh, you know, <laughs> basically almost start like a, a war. Although we're kind of only dealing with two ships and not like a bunch of people, so it's sort of like a very micro adventure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think it was funny how um, when when all the rest of the crew finally shows up and joins him, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you have somebody to to lead you?" And they show him like the video. You don't, <laughs> we don't see the video, but like they're all showing the video of like what happened to their old leader and then they just quick cuts and they're all running down the hallway like get us out of here get us out of here <laughs> it's like that's probably how i would react if i was placed in that situation like nope 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 <laughs> yeah um the what was it uh, i could just hear the like the collective original cast of of Star Trek, you know, talking to the representation of William Shatner, like throughout the whole thing, um, like you stole my lines, like that's a big thing, like with uh, I think it's George Takei and uh, Leonard Nimoy, and in some cases Jimmy Doohan. Uh So I, I I enjoyed that, but yeah, like the part where they're they're looking at all these monitors, like right after having lunch for crying out loud like we're, we're led to believe this is going to be like some like gruesome death just by how they're responding and I'm like yeah because I really want to watch someone die mercilessly after I just had a cheeseburger I mean why <laughs> did you do they not understand timing I mean I get they're probably awkward but like for real well, then you, you kind of have the, the sort of allowance of this group of aliens is very, very simple. Mm -hmm. They're just a very simple people. <laughs> uh, we don't get the concept of acting. I mean, we, we, we're kind of getting it a little bit because we've been lied to and we're starting to figure it out, but not totally. 
Okay. So I want to I want to read a little something that uh, I think I believe this was uh, Patrick Stewart um, had said in some kind of interview, and it said um, I had originally not wanted to see Galaxy Quest because I heard that it was making fun of Star Trek, and then Jonathan Frakes rang me up and said, "You must not miss this movie. See it on a Saturday night in a full theater," and I did, and of course I found it was brilliant, brilliant. No one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did. But the idea that the ship was saved and all our heroes in that movie were saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand the scientific principles on which the ship worked was absolutely wonderful. And it was both funny and also touching in that it paid tribute to the dedication of these fans. And um, he goes on to talk about... um, uh, I'm sorry, this was... Uh, I believe it was Tim, no, Will Wheaton, also said, so I didn't want to do cons because it made me feel like a loser standing there talking about what I did so many years ago Then I saw Galaxy Quest. I love Galaxy Quest. I thought it was brilliant satire, not only of Star Trek, but of fandom in general. The only thing I wish they had done was cast me in it and have me play a freaky fanboy who keeps screaming at the actor who played the kid about how awful it was that there was a kid on the spaceship, alas. Uh, when I, and when I saw Galaxy yeah. Quest, I remembered how much fun I used to have at conventions, and I missed it. I missed the interaction with the fans. I missed the chance to tell stories about my life on TNG, but mostly I missed stuff. I'm not going to read the rest. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you surprised that there is no actual actor from the Star Trek world playing either a fan or a, or, or a critic or somebody who hates it? as part of the parody because that that like because will wheaton just mentioned like i wish they had cast me as somebody like that is that one thing that you're surprised isn't in the movie i, I think it would have been fun to to have that like show especially like show up at a table asking like a really weird question like at a signing or something i think that'd been fantastic yeah it would have been pretty cool but it, uh, maybe it's not far enough removed from the time frame Probably not. Probably not. So my wife asked this question as we were watching it. So we, we watched it um, um, on a Saturday morning, and she was she was making some pancakes, and you know we're we're at the beginning, and I think it was um, like the big bad shows up. Or no 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 I'm sorry. Um, Jason Nesmith, played by Tim Allen, gets beamed aboard, transported aboard the ship in like the little slime ball thing or whatever it is that transports him. And um, she asked, so is this the legit first contact? Like, is, it, is this like the real first contact that we're having with, with an alien species now? <laughs> I mean, for real. Yeah, there's no protocol in place here. <laughs> yeah, there's no first contact protocol. Um, anyway. You know, one thing that also jumps out at me right away when I watch this movie for just first impressions is that the the sets, the costumes, and, like, the makeup look really low rent and low budget, don't they? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, most people think about Star Trek nowadays as being, like, high production value and high budget, but... The original series was not that, and so I thought they that they did a really good job of making it seem really low rent. Like especially 
Alan Rickman or Dr. Lazarus's headpiece. That thing looks awful. Like, awful in, like, a good way. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't look like something you would see in a, a big-budget television show. It looks like something he just put on himself and there was no makeup department. It looks really terrible. You, you mentioned makeup, and I I did, like, a little... Um, like just a quick little take. I was like, "Ooh, Stan Winston. Stan Winston was involved with makeup and creature effects um, in Galaxy Quest, and we know him as doing a lot of the prosthesis and creature looks, the alien looks on a lot of Star Trek. So the fact that we had like someone connected to the the Star Trek fandom was kind of cool in my book. Even if if Doctor Lazarus's um, tendrils looked a little." <clears throat> fake and you notice he, he never takes it off in the movie like there's even a scene where he's like at home not even at the convention he's talking on the phone he's still wearing the headpiece right you know it's funny because you know his character is, hates the role so much that it's just kind of funny to see you would think that he, as soon as he walked out of there he would like rip the thing off his head and throw it on the ground you know the thing I don't understand again like with these first impressions just like going through the movie why are they wearing their costume and their makeup? I mean, like, going to cons, like, you don't see the celebrities wearing it at all. I mean, unless it's, like, a very special presentation, but, like, they're just doing, like, a little meet-and-greet panel thing, essentially, at the beginning of the movie. I don't know. I don't know if, if y'all noticed that or if that grabbed your attention at all. I've never been to a convention ever. It's still something that like I need to have to make happen, and hopefully, like we'll be able to have conventions pretty soon here again. Yeah, I mean it. It is. I think it's it's more of a, a movieism, but yeah, generally speaking, you're you have the fans that are the ones dressing up, but the the actors. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've really. I don't think I've ever really seen any any actor seriously, like dress dress the part, either bigger or small. So mm-hmm. I didn't really think about that there. But that's something that is something good to point out. Because yeah, put it just having on that <laughs> that headpiece for an entire convention. I mean, because those 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 guys do sit there for like a long time Forever. to do autographs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want that thing on my head. <laughs> that long <laughs> yeah and, and even when they're opening up the um uh what is it, like the appliance store they're doing like some kind of uh, business <laughs> opening like ribbon cutting thing and they're all in their their outfits again and like you're in an, one you're in an air-conditioned like convention center the other one you're outside in the sun with it beaten down on you especially for alan rickman's character dr lazarus you know like the, the sun beating down that prosthetic, that would not be fun. Like, his head would be drenched with that. Well, let, let me ask you this. So, say you went to a convention and, like, Patrick Stewart was there and he wore his uniform and he did his uniform tugs and everything. The card maneuver? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, would you. Would you nerd out more over that than just seeing Patrick Stewart just as normal Patrick Stewart? Oh, of course I would. I would nerd the heck out. Of course, of course. If if he was wearing any of his uniforms, for sure. 
or, or think about this. If you saw Michael Dorn at a convention, <laughs> just yeah. Michael Dorn, but then you saw Worf, like, in full head prosthesis and wig, like, I don't think most people would even recognize Michael Dorn without his makeup on. I I mean, obviously people would, but, yeah. like, Michael yeah, Fr- Fr- Frakes I goes would. to put his leg over, you know, over a chair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael Dorn is a wonderful human being to have a conversation with. I, I had the privilege of, of having like a significant conversation with him at a convention, and um, I loved every second of it. That's cool. So if you get a chance to meet Michael Dorn, I mean, he loves fans. He loves <sighs> Star Trek, and he he's yeah, tall. He is. I was I was I was like a counseling student at the time, but I was uh, we were both complaining about Nemesis. And and he he felt um, like it was a, a, not a good send off. He didn't like it, and I was and he just start kept complaining, um, not not excessively, but he was just like pointing out like different things that he didn't like, and you know some of the directions that he wished the the movie would have taken. And here I am, just kind of like processing it with him. It was awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. I think one one last thing just on this convention deal is um, I don't know I've been to a few and, and obviously seeing as these people aren't going super hard pro- probably like the biggest line I ever saw was Jason Momoa when he was in Columbus for like an hour and then he bounced pretty quick I, I, I don't do lines like that I just I don't really nerd out over Jason Momoa I'd love to you know shake his hand but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay for that kind of stuff but um, I ever wonder if it is an experience because, like, I, I I very vividly remember me and a few friends. We went down to to the uh, convention center downtown Columbus, and there was quite a few rows of like people from different shows. There was the I I'm so I'm always terrible with names, but um, the 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 one woman who was uh, the doctor in Stargate Atlantis and was also in Firefly. Henry Winkler was there. Jules Um, Jules Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that's her name. And then, um, you know, Ray Park. There was a whole big group. But, you know, you see them sort of sitting alone. Like nobody's, like, you know, paid to go up there. And and it – but it ties into this where Tim Allen's sort of in the bathroom and he hears those guys kind of disparaging him a bit, you know, washed up, you know, know, whatever he said – and, uh, you know, then he sort of starts to change. And I kind of wonder how, like, some of those guys deal with that, especially the ones that are always at the conventions, because there are a lot of people like, um, I mean, just from a Star Wars aspect, Peter Mayhew was always, you know, Chewbacca was always at, like, all those, and, you know, until his health failed him and, and he passed away. But, like, I don't know, man. It seems like that wouldn't always be the, the most fun thing to do, the convention circuit, well, you know? From what I understand, that that scene where Tim Allen's in the bathroom is was inspired by a real encounter that William Shatner had at a convention, where he overheard people like talking talking down about him and saying how he was washed up and how like he's just trying to continue his fame from this one role. And I, I, the I, I've heard that story, and I I think of. Um, a sketch that happened on on Saturday Night Live 
uh, I, it had to have been, I think, the 70s or the 80s, because uh, I'm pretty sure John Belushi was part of the cast. So whenever that would have been, uh, yeah, yeah, whenever that that would have been. Anyways, there's the, there's like this little panel or of sorts, like this meeting room that they're in, and they're asking him like all these like technical questions, and he basically yells at them, chastises them, like, I'm not Captain Kirk. It's a TV show. Grow up. Get a real life. Type of thing. And then, of course, we had um, uh, Leonard Nimoy, who wrote the book, I'm Not Spock. I am not Spock. And uh, that was around the time that he was trying to just completely distance himself from the Spock character, which is what we ended up with, you know, with Wrath of Khan and um, ultimately, you know, like some of that redemption and search for Spock with him <clears throat> coming back. So, uh, like, the way that they, that this movie approached that with these characters as, like, you know, that, that satire, that parody of, like, what the real original cast and to an extent what, uh, uh, you know, some of the next gen and, like, other, other Star Trek casts have experienced too, but mainly the original series. Um, I thought it was very well done. Very well done. So, uh, there were, apart from Star Trek, though, there was um, at least one reference that I caught to um, another kind of sci-fi thing. Uh, I think they said that they're from the uh, Klaatu Nebula, something like that. Uh, Klaatu, I believe, was a character from Day the Earth Stood Still, if I'm not mistaken. Did, did any of yes. you catch that? I I caught that the most recent time I saw the movie, but but not before then. Okay, all right. And um, Eric, you and I we talked about uh, this other thing. Um, this is more Star Trek when we were uh, you know doing our our conversation about Klingons. That Klingons were uh, especially with like the redesign. They were the um, the idea was that they were hairy lobsters uh, was was like the, the look that they were going for with Klingons. And we see uh, Saris, who's being called a lobster head. And even like the design of the ship has like very much a modern Klingon look to it. So like the fact that they were called um, that Saris's people were called lobster heads. I love that. Just like as a, like a little... <laughs> insider nod to to Klingons within Star Trek. Yeah, I kept wondering as I was watching this, like all of the aliens we see in here, who are they supposed to be based on some other aliens that we've seen? Like, who are the Thermians? They're squid-looking people supposed to be based on. Who is Ceres and his people supposed to be based on? The little, the little blue guys, right? Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> Who are they supposed to be based on? And I, I, I can't figure that out. I don't know if they are or not. The, I think the the Thermians, I, I went with like a, kind of like a Vulcan thing. I think just because of the haircut was like the main thing. But they don't turn into that. squids. But as, yeah, as far as... I, I mean... M- 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 Maybe they're not based off anybody. It's possible that they're not, yeah. I don't know. Was there, I mean, were there any parallels that you 
noticed or that are coming to mind for you, David, um, as we talk about like these aliens and who they might represent in Star Trek? Well, um, what was our bad guy race called again? I don't know what their race was called. I'm just calling them like Saris's people. Like okay. the, the lobster yeah, heads. At, at one point they call it the Saris Dominion. Right? I okay. caught that Dominion line. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was about to say, I didn't remember if they actually said, but um, I don't know. They're vaguely reminiscent of like, uh, it, and it wouldn't have been the same timeline, but they're vaguely reminiscent of, um, was it one of the races of the Zindi? So basically, Enterprise just copied, but <laughs> uh, but honestly, yeah. I mean the, I mean I guess you could draw the Vulcan comparison as well, but yeah, I think it's just just the haircut. But yeah, yeah, o- octopus Cthulhu monsters. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I can't recall that coming up. <laughs> And I wonder why they went that no, way. No, I definitely did get I definitely did get the Zindi vibe though, but like that happened afterwards, right? Yeah, so much afterwards, yeah. Well, I mean ninety nine, that was probably two thousand three yeah. when the Zindi storyline started. So it wasn't too much afterwards. Yeah. I think it was a Z- it looked most like what, a Zindi reptilian, right? Insect, yeah, Insect the reptilian, yeah. Rep- no, the reptilian. Reptilian, yeah. 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 Stupid story. Stupid, stupid, stupid. No, I will kidding. bear. I will bury that until the day I die. <laughs> I, I like the Zindi. I like the story. I like the the, the storyline. But anyway, I like I like Enterprise too. Um, so here here's another here's one parallel that I noticed. The uh, so we have the transporter in Star Trek. And we have the digital conveyor here in uh, in this movie, right? And in Star Trek The Motion Picture, towards the beginning, we have the, the transporter malfunction, where the, the crewman does not make it properly on board. And we have the same thing with this pig lizard thing that's beamed aboard when they're trying to you know get uh, Jason aboard. They're trying to get Tim Allen aboard. And it ends up turning it inside out and exploding. Inside out and exploding. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> in that yeah, way- there's lots of transporter accidents in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sometimes I wonder. I don't know if y'all have wondered this, but do they just have like you know like a like a wheel that they just spin? Like, what's the problem for this week? Let's just spin it and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an engineer. Holodeck, holodeck, transporter. God, there's a lot of holodeck malfunctions. You would think that they would learn how to like put a real safety on the holodeck and not have it be disabled this week. No, I mean the transporter there. I'm I'm no engineer, but like whatever you want to call it, there seems like there could be some, like a lot of things that could go wrong with that. For sure. You know, I, I don't know. I might be taking a shuttlecraft. Is all I'm saying. I might be taking a <laughs> shuttlecraft. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, you know, of- actually, one one more parallel that I, yeah. I just I sort of vaguely thought about. 
So the um, so Saris's ship, uh, original series, the what was it the the Doomsday Machine, mm-hmm. the giant like kind of endless space worm thing, similar front end vibe there. Very much. Came, my, yeah, came well, like the the there. giant hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and not only that, but uh, if we're talking about ships, like the fact that they're in, they're at the spaceport, right? They're about to get onto the protector. And they all get in, and they they go up however many decks or whatever, and then boom, this big wide shot of the protector. And I'm so glad that it wasn't ten minutes long, or fifteen or a half hour <laughs> long for that shot. <laughs> but that. like, I'm like that's how long it should have been in the motion picture, as far as I'm concerned. And so between the transporter malfunction. The, the wide shot of the protector, those were 100% intentional um, with the story. Um, like, they wanted, I, I know the writer wanted to incorporate a lot more uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we're just talking about that, um, with the, right before the transporter accident, you know, he's in the fight with the rock monster, right? And two things jump out at me at the fight, fight with the rock monster. One is they're like, can you find some some tools around to improvise and make a make a weapon that you can fire at him, right? Which is obviously Kirk fighting the Gorn, right? Yep. And then and then Tim Allen's shirt gets ripped off, mm-hmm. and he's he's he's, he's shirtless, and he's all sweaty, and he gets beamed up, and it's like I see you managed to get your shirt ripped off, and it's like because. Kirk is always getting his shirt either torn or ripped off, and he's got his yeah. It's, it just turns nice into chisel core. Top, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's, it's the Kirk crop top, very early crop top. <laughs> just one nipple. It's like you think can't do both. You would think that like you know these Hashtag. uniforms would be designed to be tear proof, but they weren't. They were very low quality. Hashtag free the nipple. <laughs> All I'm saying is Tim Allen didn't go to the bronzer before this, though. No, no, not, so. no, not so much, not so much. Uh, what was it? So I had to to listen to this a couple times, but you know, with with more of these parallels, uh, of course, we have the the UFP, United Federation of Planets, but with this. We had the um, the NESA, the the National Space Exploration Association. So does that mean that all space exploration is just limited to Earth or a country of Earth or something? I I, I don't know. Like well. maybe I'm, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. But I do know that the the ship designation, the NTE thirty one twenty. NTE specifically means not the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. What does the 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 thirty one twenty does that mean anything? I, Is I that have like, no idea. Because we didn't, we had probably had section thirty one by this time, but I, I doubt that that's any reference to that. I I, I have no idea what the significance of thirty one twenty. Let's if only there was a way to know. If, if only there was like this, I don't know, device that we could use to find all these answers. 
if only. It's okay if it doesn't, probably doesn't mean anything. I'm just, you know, sometimes we always try to read more into it. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not finding anything readily. But one thing I did notice, um, you know, with continuing to honor and show love to Star Trek is the fact that depending on how you, you look at the ship, right, it can certainly look like the Starfleet Delta. Like if it's if it's vertical, where you have the bow of the ship going vertical, and then you have like they're in a, like the rounded nacelles thing, it it looks like the Delta. So regardless of what, um, whether it's you know the original series era, the movie era, or next gen onward, it just it looks like that, which I think was kind of cool. Yeah, you can see that. I did yeah. like its little little. Uh, kind of satellite dish nose. Everybody's got to have a little satellite dish on them. Mm-hmm. This one was just on the nose. It's very on the nose of you. Good job. Word. Word. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know. So, question time. If there, There's a part in the, this movie, okay, and, and we're not going to necessarily talk about the plot, I don't think, unless y'all just really want to beyond that 30 second thing that I did but there's a there's a there's a very um, crucial part of the movie where um, Mathazar is strapped down to a table he's injured he's been captured by Saris and uh, Tim Allen is being kind of forced to say what this Omega 13 particle is and does and where it's at basically just being really interrogated and he just flat out says I don't know and Saris is like unbelievable and he just kind of like laughs because he knows what they are so here's my question how does Saris and not the Thermians know what a TV show and an actor is Well, I think Saris figures it out that they're not real when he says, play the historical documents, and he, he can tell that it's it's not real. But um, maybe on Saris's world, they have entertainment. I don't know. What do you think, David? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I... I don't know. I, I just I, I keep going back to the naivety here, but how naive can one one species be? Like you've survived conceivably a long period of time mm-hmm. without kind of right. getting these basic comp, you know, basic uh, whatever. But anyway, yeah. I mean, sure, we have we have space TV out there. Why not? I mean, they they have some bug reptile tv maybe they play maybe they play a version of soccer you know and they call it i don't know kickball who knows man but but i i think i think more to the point obviously saris's people understand deception and and maybe it's just more of a thing of like you know you see this kind of in quotations cheesy historical record and inference i suppose yeah, that, that was 
That was another question that my wife asked. It's like, how does Saris know what a TV show is? Know, know what an actor is? And of course, you know, the, the historical record, the historical document is played right there on screen. But I mean, fair point, you know. Um, and, and ultimately, they, you know, Tim, has, Tim Allen, Jason has to break it down Barney style and say, you know, we, we lied, we deceived you. And that's the nail in the coffin. But it somehow works out, you know, like, oh, yeah, you were really fooling them. Actor. <laughs> I don't know. How do you what, what do you all think of of like the role of like satire and parody um, especially like when it comes to Star Trek, like you like it or maybe not so much. I guess it kind of depends on what it is. Cause like, I mean the, the Orville, the Orville is basically, I mean, kind of a more modern galaxy quest in a lot of ways, but it's also serious sort of. Mm-hmm. So, well, I thought like the few episodes of that that I saw were, I mean, they were okay. I, I'm not gonna like say that the Orville was a great show because it's it's fine from what I watched. Just depends on how nasty you get, isn't it? I would say so. Yeah, I think I think with with all types of satire, there it, you can go too far, right? I think there are definitely satirists that have gone too far, like. John Stewart and Stephen Colbert and all of those people have definitely gone way too far at points, right? Um, but I don't know, it's like it, as long as you are doing your satire from a place of love, I think that's what's more important. Like Spaceballs, for instance, was made by people that really liked Star Wars. They weren't people that hated Star Wars and were making fun of it from that regard. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the same thing you mentioned the Orville. I've never seen the Orville, but like we know that Seth MacFarlane is a big fan of Star Trek. Yeah, originally, originally there was a, a rumor of him uh, being offered to be like the, the next Rick Berman, basically for the next generation of, of Star Trek shows. And I think it just went one way or the other. And anyways, didn't happen. Or like they didn't like his ideas, so he didn't end up doing it and that's uh, allegedly what led to him creating the, the Orville on uh, was that Fox right Fox yeah so. and uh, by the way the I think the greatest um, episode episodes of the Orville so far has been the two-parter identity which uh, could could be compared to the Orville's version of best of both worlds in my opinion. So it's it's very good. If anyone has not seen the Orville, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, I mean... Yeah, but and j- just like... Just to tag one quick thing on here. Another difference between like just nasty satire and just making it a little funny is you still have an underlying story. Like mm-hmm. both this and the Orville, just as we're talking about examples, they both have an underlying story that does get serious at times. So, you know, but you, mm-hmm. you can you can poke fun at anything. Like was mentioned, Spaceballs well, as well, but there's still a story. Well, mm-hmm. 
I think I think anytime anytime you're doing comedy, you have to understand comedy as tragedy, right? Com- I mean, comedy can't just be there to be there, right? Comedy has to exist as tragedy. So there actually has to be a legitimate story and and conflict that you have to try and resolve. Mm-hmm. And I think the I know we're talking about Galaxy Quest, but just with with the Orville, I know there's been some hesitation with some people in watching it because, like. Seth MacFarlane and the Family Guy, like frat boy kind of humor, is like some of the wording that I've I've heard tossed around, and you might get like a sprinkling of that I think in the first season, but it, the show really does come into its own, and I, I like what you're saying, Eric, about like the the balance of like the comedy, the tragedy, and and what David was saying, you know, about there there's still a story, there's still something that is that needs to be done. It's not just we're trying to be Star Trek or we're trying to be Star Wars or whatever other show, you know, that might be, um, you know, a satire of something. The, the You got to think about when, when the Orville came out, especially, uh, I think it was season one, we, it came out like right around the time that, what was that? Was that season one or was it season two of Discovery? That when, when fans were very, very upset with Discovery, and some people still are, to be fair, and they were, were boycotting it to go watch real Star Trek, air quotes, right, uh, which they considered the Orville to be the real spiritual successor um, Star Trek show, and a lot of the original, uh, a lot of a lot of the, the producers and actors have been involved in the show, but I think there has to be, like, that love that we're talking about, that care for the property, that intellectual property that you're working with. I mean, I'm I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not anywhere near the level that David or some of my other friends are. So, like, you know, right now we're talking about Galaxy Quest, and just to kind of throw a curveball at David right now, I mean, as a Star Wars fan, you know, as someone that has their own Star Wars podcast, for crying out loud, I mean, how do you experience something like Spaceballs? Um, do you like it? Do you love it? Do you wish they would have done something different with it, even though we're like, you know, 30, 40 years removed from it? Yeah, and I mean, to be completely transparent, I haven't watched Spaceballs in a long time, so my sure. memory of it is a little lacking. But from what I remember, I, I don't I don't really have any problems with it. But the, the unfortunate, I've, I've been talking about this for, for some time. It, it it's kind of becoming a running gag between me and my brother to talk about the sort of toxic Star Wars Twitter, yeah, and just how how everybody's looking for these these hot takes almost just get followers more so than actually present something that is thought provoking. And uh, I mean, just the amount of like fire this person get rid of this person recast this person redo the entire thing um gets a little bit nuts and i think honestly we could use a little bit more humor in that particular fandom Mm -hmm. which is why and and i don't know if there's anybody here who is watching bad batch but there's a there's a particular moment in the second episode where there's a piece of music that starts playing and it's very childlike and jingly and like Disney, you know, film type of thing. And I and we both just because me and my brother watched together, we both looked at each other. It's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> what 
what was that? But then, you know, I, I start to think about it, and it's like, well, it's kind of kid-like. You know, you're dealing with a kid at this point. So, yeah, let it be a little, little goofy, a little silly. Everybody's so serious about stuff, and, and well, I mean comedy. You, you listen to any interviews with, like, popular comedians right now, and, and comedy is almost under attack in and of itself and granted there are a lot of people that have pushed pushed boundaries for sure in the in the comedic line but still uh i think we need to learn learn to laugh a little bit more uh in in really all because even discover we god well we did shows on discovery all the episodes of discovery um and then you guys did some lower deck stuff and so forth and i mean we weren't we were critical at times but, you know, I don't think any of us were talking about boycotting anything, but I know that there were a lot of people who did. Just we looked one at one-star reviews. We know that. <laughs> so. I'm just boycotting one episode. That's it. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. So. I mean, I've offered, I've offered to take my shuttlecraft and leave if they do certain things, right? So I'm, sure. I, you know, they, they, they haven't done that, but, like, I'm getting my shuttlecraft prepped if they do certain things. Yeah, well, there's always, there's always, there's definitely always going to be that, but I, I think that, um, I think, step back, it's just, it's entertainment at the mm-hmm. end of the day. I mean, as long as you're not being nasty about it or specifically going against the, the fabric of the, of the, you know, the larger series, once you start doing that, I mean, you have pretty much full right to, to go at them. Because then just make a different, make it something different. Right. Don't don't do that with this that we all want to see. Make something different. There, the, so the, the, I saw something on on Disney Plus uh, not too long ago. Got to get those Mickey checks right, right, David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was like in the uh, the big main banner at the top of the screen, and I I saw it um, as I was getting ready to watch Bad Batch recently. And it it was the this new show or movie I don't know what it, what it is but Maggie Simpson in The Force Awakens from its nap. Okay. Can't see that. Is that like the the joke of like how the Mandalorian relies too much on a child that can't speak? I, I have no idea. I haven't watched is it. That I what just that's saw the banner. I just saw the banner. So I'll, I just thought it was funny just because. The Force Awakens, and I just remember seeing like a bunch of jokes back in the day about like, you know, waking from its nap, awake, just dumb, dumb. The Force things needs that. the Force needs five more five minutes. more minutes. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. No, I, I, I did not see that, and I don't think I really want to. You might need Goodness. to. I mean, especially if you need content. No, I you know really don't. Okay. They put it. They put out the old, uh, the old Clone Wars season, the the first Clone Wars. So we'll just talk about that later. Oh, now there, there again. Also in the Star Wars parody line, there was uh, Robot Chicken. Did yeah. their their stuff, and you had the the whole Family Guy parodies as well. There were three of those. Blue Harvest so. was one of them. Mm-hmm. Something 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 Dark Side, and then yeah. there was another one I can't remember the name of. But. Yeah, I, I, I was very happy with the, with this, and you know, I, I've enjoyed Galaxy Quest in the past. Just to kind of bring it back full circle, I've enjoyed Galaxy Quest in the past, but I think, you know, being a little bit 
farther down the rabbit hole now, going into Wonderland more and more with um, all this all our Star Trek discussion that we do with the podcast. There's something about it this time that I just I, I really appreciate it more than I've ever appreciated it before. And um, I mean, maybe there's more stuff to talk about. Maybe there's not. But this is just a, I think this is a really just fun movie um, that people should just really check out. And uh, especially if you're if you enjoy Star Trek and you've never seen this before, you should check it out, man. Like, it's not a perfect movie, and I think that's the point. Like, I would probably if I were rating it, I'd probably give it like somewhere between like a seven and a half and an eight, uh, maybe. Um, there's there's some some issues maybe with it, with like the way some of the the shots are, or maybe some of the editing or whatever it might be. But I mean, it's got a good score. I like the soundtrack. I've listened to the soundtrack before. The the light motifs that they have throughout, very good. They connect very well with the characters and the different scenes that happen, and um, it's it's just fun. And especially with what Patrick Stewart said in one of his interviews, you know, the fact that the the fans are the ones that really get to be the heroes in this more so than just the the astronauts is is pretty darn cool. So I don't know, gents, y'all want to maybe add some start to add some closing thoughts and maybe a rating if you so choose. Well, I'll just say that we haven't really talked about Sigourney Weaver at all in this in this podcast and you are right. Sigourney Weaver is amazing, right? I mean obviously, you know, Ellen Ripley, she carried the whole Alien franchise and then she's in Ghostbusters 1 and 2, right? So she's very big in science fiction and so to see her show up as like in this parody I think is really awesome because, you know, so, I mean, Ghostbusters is not serious, but like the Alien franchise is very serious and her character is very serious. And to see her here playing like the ditzy big boo blonde who like when the action starts to happen, her, (laughs) her, her suit comes undone and like her whole interview was just all, you know, six paragraphs all about her boobs and how they fit into her costume and how she has... She has no job on the ship other than to repeat the computer. And she's like, listen, it's a terrible job, but it's the only one I have. So I am going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she plays that role really great. And, you know, that's a a critique on, you know, women in sci-fi and how they've been objectified and, and, you know, all the short skirts that they had to wear in Star Trek. And... And so just to see somebody like Sigourney Weaver, who is so respected in the science fiction community and, and, you know, is, you know, all about, you know, Ellen Ripley is like the strong female character. And now here she's doing this and there's commentary and there's probably a lot of discussion we could have about, uh, we probably have a whole podcast series just about women in science fiction and, and this, but I just, I really love Sigourney Weaver in this role. I was... Uh, I, I was watching, uh, I think it was an interview that Marina Sirtis had with Arsenio Hall on the um, the um, Arsenio Hall show, like way back when, and I I can't remember where the clip is exactly, but I know it's out there in YouTube land somewhere. But like how most of her interviews have been about her bust and her cleavage and her like kind of a diminished role on like the next generation so maybe that was 
maybe part of Sigourney Weaver's portrayal in Galaxy Quest was part Nichelle Nichols, part Marina Sirtis. Well, I also think it was part Jerry Ryan because you know, Jer- Seven of Jerry Nine had too, yeah. Seven of Nine had just you know been introduced in in Voyager at the time, and you know they they made a very prominent feature of Jerry Ryan's you know figure. Let me ask you this, Deanna Troy. I liked it better later on when she was in uniform. What are your guys' oh, yeah. thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Why did it I'm take not alone there till the? Why did it take halfway to th- season six to get her in a uniform? Yeah, I. Well, I mean, she I, was in an interview, or she, sorry, she wasn't in an, a uniform in the first episode. She was in a uniform mm-hmm. in an encounter at Farpoint, and then like mm-hmm. after that, she was in like these weird unitards and headpieces. Well, she was, she was ordered into one by by Jellico. Right, Chain of Command um, Part One and Two was where you know that shift happened with wearing yeah. the uniform. But before that, it was just like, apart from the one episode in the pilot, she was in these unitards, and then eventually just like the the gray with purple, the the maroon with black. Yeah, and I think and there was other, one that was a, like dress. a green dress. There was one she was green wearing dress, a dress. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've just been doing a next gen rewatch, and I'm like in season six now, so we're we're making the the transfer. Very very interesting how we uh, change themes in in that show across seasons. But anyway, I I just wondered how that I I thought it it fit the vibe a lot more. Mm-hmm. But but even yeah. when Marina Sirtis is wearing a, a uniform in the first episode, it's one of the scant uniforms, isn't it? It is a scant, yeah. It is a scant, and we see one other guy. Anyway, I just wearing a scant yeah. too. There's like yeah, That's yeah, true. yeah. Yep. Wouldn't that have been something to see Kirk in a in that era's scant, that era's dress uniform? We don't need to see his legs, man. What about Spock? <laughs> <laughs> Scotty comes out. <laughs> Feels like I'm back at home. Oh, well, God. I feel like we do see Scotty in a kilt at some point, don't we? we? Do. I'm pretty mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, dude, they all had some chicken legs back then, though. We we were seeing a bunch of really white chicken legs on the original series. Skip like uh, that. Anyway, is it my turn? <laughs> Yes, it's your turn. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It's your turn, David. Say something smart and inspiring. Go. It's all smart and inspiring. Goodness. Um, yeah, I, I would probably be in your sort of rating range, probably in the you know mid sevens on it. It's it's a ninety minute popcorn flick. You know what I mean? It's it's a ninety minute popcorn flick that does a quite a few transitions when you think about it because you have you have convention you have ship you have you know around on earth and then you're back on ship then you're on an away mission and then you're space battle mind random minefield thing so it's actually fairly interesting how they put all these transitions in there and it all seems to work it pretty well for like from like a flow standpoint just from a, a movie flow standpoint 
Um, but but pointing out some of the some of the ridiculousness of like uh, the challenges because even before this started, we, actually I don't know, my memory's a little bit mushy lately. But anyway, uh, you know I I remember us talking about you know what's the challenge of the week type of deal, and. Uh, this is full of the challenge of the week, like with the crusher things. It's like, why is this? Why is this in a ship? Uh, you know, why are there just all these random particulates for omega thirteen just flying around in this chamber? Uh, type of deal. You know, why are we putting a stoned mechanic in charge of our engineering department with Rain Wilson? Um, you know, the, those sort of things are, the, the, but they're fun. And then you also get. You know, kind of like to Eric's point, where comedy has to have tragedy. You you have the, you know, the first sort of like real battle where they fail. You know, their ship is highly damaged, which leads to their away mission to get the beryllium sphere. Which, I swear, that was what they were were creating in the shadow. If you if you guys have ever watched the the classic Alan Alec Baldwin film, The Shadow. I love that movie as a kid, by the way. Um, but anyway. Uh, you then have the sort of Tim Allen's character having to be truthful and you have this sort of heartbreaking moment. Uh, oh my gosh, all of our alien squid friends are dying due to lack of oxygen in their barracks because that's where they live all the time. I don't know. Um, but at any rate, it, I, I think it, I think it explores a lot of themes. It pays good homage to, to the things that we, the ridiculous sequences we we've seen over the years that we kind of laugh at chuckle at, but take seriously because it's it's a show that we love so um yeah I, but with that being said I, I think uh i think it's not something i can take overly seriously like this isn't like one of those things that i'm like oh man i gotta watch this every year cult cult like type of deal so yeah i mean just as ratings i, I think a good seven five is, is pretty practical for it but i think it's something that i will also say this it does reasonably hold up though Mm. Like coming from 1999, like a lot of the the effects aren't super overblown. The costumes aren't bad. I mean, I know we talked about the cheesy headpiece, which kind of looks like it's coming off half the time, but that's sort of intentional because it's not real. But like the actual aliens were done pretty well, pretty well for 1999. So I actually yeah. think that it holds up reasonably well, too. And, and a cast. They didn't go for like just some random cast of terrible characters i mean granted i mean what what all had tim allen done to this point aside from home improvement because uh, home improvement was San- like his the santa claus like first thing the santa claus so that and, um, and toy okay. story had already okay, come so out those, yeah. okay but i mean j- just you know seemingly the rest of the cast too they they have a they have a good cast so it's you know there, there's there's not a, a cast weakness which sometimes you can kind of have in those uh situations but overall i mean it's it's a decent movie yeah i i you know um, that um originally originally it was just the cast for a second um harold ramus was originally going to direct this movie which i think that could have been interesting but he wanted to cast kevin klein as the commander jason nesbitt oh no wow i i can't i I don't i can't imagine that i don't want to imagine that nothing against kevin klein Sounds and Harold like Ramis left the project because Harold Ramis left the project because he couldn't get the casting that he wanted. Hmm. Hmm. 
but then was very complimentary of the final product after he saw it. Well, that's good. That's good. My when my wife and I were watching it, uh, she was just like laughing so hard. Like, I mean, I think it was the point, but like laughing so hard with um, Tony Shalhoub, and like every time he he occupied the screen and had something yeah. to say and. Yeah, his little, yeah. he's like stoned all the time and he's got his bag of munchies with him. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part that we were like, like we did like a double take, you know, when they're in when they're when they're in the shuttle pod and like everyone's freaking out and he's got like the old cheese stick thing. And he's just eating <laughs> dip, dipping his, his cracker with cheese. Oh man. Well, Eric, I want to I want to get to you with like your rating and then I have like one more maybe final kind of question before we we do call it a day. Yeah, I mean, I am I'm a serious movie fan. Like I've watched a lot of movies in my life and you know, I'm I'm very critical when it comes to some of them and so from from an entertainment perspective, I think this movie is like right up there it's not it's not a 10 from an entertainment perspective but it's like a nine nine and a half from an entertainment perspective from a, from a pure movie perspective it's probably closer to like a 6.8 or a 7 just from like like the technical movie making aspect of it but I, I would probably rate it around you know a 7.4 or 7.5 so I'm right there I'm right there with both the both of you okay Final uh, question. So we're we're all like in the same general tri-state area of ratings. Uh, you know the thing with I'm good, not New Jersey, by the way. Good. I don't. I'm not New Jersey either. So that must be Eric then. Not not it. Nose <laughs> <laughs> <That was> goes. <laughs> so the, the thing about like uh, I think a good story um, or a series is you can like you're maybe drawn to one particular character because maybe you see yourself in them or they they have something that you maybe you want to aspire to be or become or whatever it might be and uh, this is this is really like i guess the the last kind of question is of the characters that we meet in this satire this parody of a movie of star trek is there one that you feel most drawn to or connected to or you want to aspire to be like so to speak from what you've seen aspire to be like (laughs) (laughs) well I mean I mean I I see a lot of myself in the Justin Long character right the the fan who but like at a a certain point like I I didn't have like a group of friends that I could like watch the show with and talk about it with and go to conventions with so not in that regard but just in the regard of like i'm the nerd who stays at home and obsessively thinks about things like this and like yes it's just a television show but it means a lot more to me than just a television show and then like when he's going outside at the end and he's like explaining the story to his mom and his parents about like, well, the ship is going to crash, so we need these fireworks to go on. And then, yeah. and then she didn't like, like, just goes on this long explanation. Yeah. And, and, and his parents like, okay, dinner's at seven. <laughs> and then they, then they look at each other and like, 
at least she's outside. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like that was like similarly how like my mom would have thought like at least it's going out and doing something. Like I mean, she's not just sitting in the basement. <laughs> so I see a lot of myself in that character in that regard. Okay, so you you kind of connect with Brandon in the movie. Gotcha. Yeah. The the apple no the the Mac guy. Yeah. The Mac. Uh, well, guy. his character's name is Brandon, but yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. the Mac. No, well, yeah, from the commercials. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. We're dating ourselves, but yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. How about you, David? Oh, man. Um, honestly, I, I I think kind of the, the most interesting I get, interesting character for me was, was Alan Rickman's character. And the only reason is, is because he's like this thespian, right? He's like he's trying to be like this serious actor, and uh, he pushes back so much throughout this. But then it was it was late in the movie when his when his like his I don't know the, the one the one of his little friends there who wants to emulate him gets shot, and like he. He starts to he starts to believe, you know, and then he just runs and takes out that guy. I, I don't know. I, I I think that that's kind of funny because it's, it's one of those deals where I've always, you know, attempted to to believe that you can do anything you put your mind to, type of deal. Even if that putting your mind to is just like you know wearing a, a headpiece forever and then really believing you're your character at some point and taking out you know an alien in the corridor. Who has a gun? But yeah, you know, whatever. It's fine. Um, but no, I kind of, I kind of like that because it, it sort of seems like the most, the most realistic. He's like, oh my god, why am I doing this thing again? Why do I keep being drawn into this again and again and again? Why can't I get over this hump? Yeah. But you know, he he actually sort of begins to live that part a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I was Richard the Third. I had five curtain calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You know we we talk about this um, in, in different conversations. You know, like how we all maybe want to be or think we would be like a Picard or a Riker, or a Kirk, or a Spock or whatever. But in reality, we're we're a red shirt man. You know, we're. We're just there. We're we're Reg Barkley. We're yeah. We're maybe we're Reg Barkley. We're, we're awkward and we're we just want to hang out on the holodeck. Hey, just uh, remember to delete your uh, holodeck history. All right. Yeah. Don't look. Yeah. At my or, or put it in, uh, in incognito mode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So oh. I don't. Turn your VPN on. <laughs> this video is sponsored to you by Surfshark. Oh, goodness. It's not, by the way. It's not sponsored by Surfshark. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure there's like like a guy, Fleekman, for all of us at some point. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I kind of see myself as like a pretty laid back kind of dude. So, like, I just felt really connected to uh, uh, Tony Shalhoub's character. Uh, with with the chief, so, um, and I do like me a good snack, like at every, at every opportunity, pretty much. So, <laughs> I mean, I want to I want to have a good laugh and have some fun, and uh, do the work at the same time. But 
I don't know. I mean, I'd like to be, you know, the, the commander of the protector, but I mean, I see myself more as like a guy or a, or a chief kind of person. So, oh, man. yeah. Guy Fleek, Guy Fleekman is fun, right? <laughs> right. I, so I don't know. What's my last name? I don't. You have a last name. Do I? Do I? <laughs> so I don't know a lot of Sam Rockwell stuff. And when I watched it, like again, like preparing for the show, I was like, "Hey, that's Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2. And and uh, like that's, or I mean, he's, that's Osc- he's an Oscar winner now. So from I mean, like three bo- three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, in 2017, best supporting actor. Nice. See, I mean, I don't know this stuff, but like that was that was all I had to draw on was Iron Man two, and like he's the like a secondary antagonist of sorts in in Iron Man two, and I'm like, hey, look, I had to do a double take because of the mustache and stuff, and you know, being however many years, like ten years younger, basically, eleven years younger than what we saw him in that movie anyway good movie i'd recommend it check it out especially if you know you like if you want to see a younger uh rain wilson you like stan winston's uh creature effects um you just love star trek check it out Uh, i mean it's on currently at the time of this recording it's on paramount plus and it's on amazon prime video that you can watch Uh, i'm sure you can go buy a physical copy anywhere pretty much and uh, and enjoy it so just just check it out um, guys thanks thanks for having this conversation uh, today just talking about a you know a, a satire a parody of, of Star Trek it's been fun I think yeah it's good good conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. all right well um, if y'all if y'all liked if you know y'all in listener land or in viewer land or wherever whatever land you're occupying, um, enjoyed this let us know you know let us know your thoughts uh, the conversation doesn't just end here dear listener the the conversation continues to go on uh, the adventure continues or the next what's it what's it what, what they call it what's the next gen version of galaxy quest I don't know what it is but anyways the adventure continues with our with the conversation on um, all our socials we're at uh, TRTV pod on Facebook Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also interact with us on the website, trtvpod.com, uh, where you can let us know what's going on, check out um, um, older episodes, uh, more readily available there, and um, just you can also check out our merch there, too, and other ways to support the show, like with um, buying T-shirts or sweatshirts or also on Patreon, uh, which we just recently uh, uh, commissioned a new officer on the show. So, um, Katie, congratulations. Um I know it was a couple episodes ago, but anyway. Um, if you want to just send us an email, trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute time limit, so um, make it quick. Just kidding. Uh, three-minute time limit, so um, just uh, know that your thoughts, your ideas, could be used on a future episode. Now, finally, if you do want to uh, send something to us, like a minefield, which would be not nice because I don't want to get hurt by exploding mines personally but if you want to send us one P.O. Box 2455 Azel, Texas 76098 everyone thank you so much and um, never give up 
never surrender, but also in all that you do, boldly go and make it so. Bye-bye.